man don't know shit. And we are rolling. We're rolling. Here we are. Damn. Welcome to Quick Came and Don't Know Shit. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> Mr. Dom Castelli. I've known Dom Castelli since about 1997, if my memory serves me right, which usually it doesn't, <laughs> like seriously. <laughs> well, 97 sounds about right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was new in Montreal and I had dreams of playing some music and you were one of the people that I reached out to within the first year. I reached out to you. And at that point, you were running a venue called the Jailhouse Rock Cafe. Oh, yeah. And you were so open and made me, like, I was so nervous to call, you know what I mean? Like, as soon as you, like, you know, start something, it's like new challenge, put yourself in front of people, you know? But you were so welcoming, and uh, you're just like, yeah, man, I got space for you, come on down. And I have a feeling that you probably are one of the people in Montreal that started off the most musical careers. I don't know about that. Well, I can't confirm that. And this is why I say this. <laughs> the jailhouse ran for how many years? Itself, the venue uh, ran about maybe from 1989, 88, mm-hmm. before it was a terrace. And then uh, from almost 10, 11 years of shows, basically, at the jailhouse rock. That's seven nights a week? Seven nights a week, about three bands a night. Yeah, so, so you know, somebody else do the math for me. <laughs> get your calculator yeah. out. And, I mean, you had touring bands from out of town all the time, and you had so many locals do shows with these touring bands, or, you know, once they you know, were around long enough, they headlined their own shows. And that's why I say you gave a shot to so many bands, so many people I know. I remember seeing Bloodshot Bill for the first time ever. Oh, Bleeding Gums. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, I mean... Now, I mean, the, this man tours the world, but without yeah. people like you to help kickstart all these fantastic bands, a lot of this stuff might not have happened. I know in my case, it might not have happened. And, you know, from there and, you know, building up confidence throughout playing the Jellos, I probably played there at least 25 times. A bit more than that. We have <laughs> the records of you, how many times you played there. It's oh, pretty no. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, pretty cool. And then after the jailhouse, you moved on to the Jupiter Room, mm-hmm. and you had shows yep. there all the time as well. I, I'm not sure how many years you had the Jupiter Room running. Though. I didn't. I didn't stay long at the Jupiter Room. No. I left after six to eight months, I think it was. Okay, is that it? Yeah. yeah. But my, my whole point is that you were involved in the music scene like so much in that period of time, and the plateau was hopping in those days. Mm. I mean, it's still hopping today, but it was you know hopping to a different hop. <laughs> But, I mean, everybody in town knew who you were, knew that they could call you for a lot of things, including sometimes just advice. Yeah, yeah, I got quite a few calls from people asking for advice, how to get things done. Mm-hmm. And I, I helped, uh, I mean, I don't know, I helped a lot of bands, and a lot of bands get somewhere. I mean, before I had the Jailhouse Rock, I had Chimney Street Productions, where I was booking bands with Jesse Rads. And before that, I was DJing, you know, I just... Music Jesse was, Rads being the yeah. trumpet player in the Kingpins. Yeah, yeah. Right? And also a good friend of ours. Yeah, very good friend of mine. Yeah, good guy. Good artist. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know. I, uh, it was a hell of a road. Mm-hmm. I, I have no regrets, but uh, things could have been different in some cases. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the old cliche <laughs> of hindsight is twenty twenty and all that kind of thing. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it is a bit of a chaos life for sure. You know? uh, it was fantastic. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's really crazy, wild. Uh, I mean... Basically, I had a blank pad, and uh, people like my brother, for example, gave me the opportunity to, I mean, he's the one that said it, well, there's your board, it's empty, go mm-hmm. fill it. And fill it, and you he, did. He bought the <laughs> bar, my brother paid for that bar, and paid me part owner, and, and I did what I could for the Jailhouse Rock, and mm-hmm. it was, 
it was coming from the heart, 100%. I believed in people like you, and I see you, and I see your eyes, and how you really want to go somewhere, and it's like, well, all I have is this. Yeah. And I don't have nothing else to help you with this, but there, go for it. Let's see where it goes. But that was huge, yeah. because like, at that venue at the time, I mean, when I say the plateau was hopping back then, we had multi-musical venues. You know, there is definitely less today than there are. You know, it's a different thing. You got the club scene going on and all the bumping and the grinding and all that. <laughs> but back then on the plateau, you know, whether you were playing in the venues, you know, whether it was like Cafe Campus, the Jailhouse, Jupiter, whatever, all these great places, well, even the Monkey Room and what other venues? Oh, the Monkey House on yeah, Roy yeah. Street, which is now uh, a meat place. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, the Monkey House. Well, the Space Shits, they would do a lot of interesting shows. Um, they would, you know, take over a pizza house or the monkey house. I saw that show. That was insane. That's so punk rock. Oh, I love it. God, those, guys were, <laughs> those guys were a handful, I'll tell you that much. Uh, <laughs> and uh, a lot of bands, a lot of people used to do a lot of stuff in Montreal. It was pretty creative. We had mm -hmm. free reign because there's, there's no control. There's no, if you have an idea, let's go into loft. We'll do a loft party. Then the police got involved. And mm -hmm. then all hell breaks loose, you know, and... Okay, well, I guess we have to find a garage because everything was abandoned and nothing cost nothing back in the day. And we had things like the Jailhouse Rock because it was cheap. Mm -hmm. I think we were charging up until 2001 75 bucks for three bands. That's why. You know, and, I, you know, my brother is like, don't charge more because the band's got to make it. And I was like, that's a good idea, but we need <laughs> to make money to stay open. Yeah, but it's going to work this way. It's like, okay then, you know, and it's like, you know, I, you know, it was it was awesome. It was awesome because I was able to meet so many people, so many bands. And at that time in life in the plateau, it was near chaos because yeah. everything was empty, dead. But we had like after hours that would open up oh, yeah. on on top of the uh, the jailhouse rock. I mean, we, and how many nights did we finish at the Miami back in the day? <laughs> I mean, how many bars did we stay in that were locked until six o'clock in the morning? Well, you know, <laughs> it's like. <laughs> You know, I feel so privileged, you know, and I'm probably still hurting from it as well, but like to have come up in that period of time, you know what I mean? Because it doesn't exist in Montreal right now. It's not saying, I'm not saying it's better or worse, but there was something magical in the Montreal music scene in those yeah. years, you know? Was, yeah, I mean, it was it's magical because we're building it. I mean, I, I, I can't say the same thing. Uh, it was tough. It was tough for me to build what I tried to build, mm -hmm. and it was very, very, very difficult, and it was a very lonely job. On my end, yeah, uh, is you know you had a lot on your shoulder every day, nonstop, and just to make a band get somewhere is a lot of work. And mm -hmm. You know that because you're in a band, K-Man, and uh, back in those days, I had a lot of people that were busting my balls, yeah, you know, for one reason or not. I mean, I'll never forget a couple of punk rock bands thought they were righteous enough to drink beer from the Depener, not inside the bar. But just to cost, you know, on a street corner, I was like, dude, we stay open by beer sales only, man. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, but but what? We're not here. You're not here. What's the deal? It was yeah. it was a difficult job. I mean, sure, I can speak about glory, but there was no glory. It was mm -hmm. it was a lot of money got invested. My brother lost thousands of dollars on this gig. Shit, and I'm talking about 35, but you know it. He was a good man, he was a good boy, and mm -hmm. he was a tough guy to work with, too. Holy shit, was he tough. You know? <laughs> he light a fire, eh? <laughs> he, I love my brother, don't get me wrong, man. Yeah. He was a good man. And, uh, you know, but uh, those days, it was it was tough, and it was wild. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but it had some good times and bad times. Absolutely. But, I mean, it, it's interesting to get your, your perspective on it, because, like, I mean, 
in a way, you know, with having that type of role, of course, you're just eating shit all the time, right? Everything that's wrong. But nobody ever says, oh, this is great, right? <laughs> I mean, of course, you get some nice people and, you you know, you make lifelong friends and this type of thing. You know, there is good things that come with it. But I understand when you say, like, you know, people are coming down with all the problems, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... Booking bands is a tough job. It's not for the faint of heart mm-hmm. or oversensitive like I am. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it was happy. I'm always happy to see when a band like yourself goes forward and gets something done. Mm-hmm. Leading Guns, you know, Little Andy, you know. I'm always happy when someone still talks about the Super, super Sucker show that just blew out of the water. I, that makes me feel good. Yeah. You know, I'm accomplished. You know, I had a moment in my life to do something on my own. And I had no idea it doesn't last forever. No clue. But now I do. And but you lived that moment hard, man. I know. Because yeah. for a while, we even lived together. That's not that's something not everybody knows. Yeah. You know, for it probably nine months or something like that of total yeah. chaos. I, don't to... <laughs> I know what he wants to say, yeah. and he's not going to say it. Mm. And I'm going to say thank you for not saying it. Because <laughs> <laughs> the neighbors be banging on the wall, man. <laughs> You know, I was all right. I was all right being your roommate. It was cool. Yeah, man. It was, cool. uh, it, it was a magical mm-hmm. time. It really was for me, anyway. I was having a good old time, man. <laughs> just bouncing around plateauing those. Uh, like, I was working night shifts only a couple of nights a week at, at that point, so I had a lot of free time, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was great ways to, to get plugged in. And you mentioned a few bands already. I mean, the number of bands that are absolutely famous are huge now. There's what? a lot more we booked. Yeah. Flaming Lits, I think they played at Jailhouse once to all of four people. Well, that's it. Because like, <laughs> it, it was a mid-sized venue, which is a really interesting place. Because mm-hmm. often I think you get the bands that are like moving up. You know, I mean, you might get, get you know, get a band like the Flaming Lips that, uh, you know, they're moving up. So you get to see them before they're really exploded yeah you know yeah it was it was it was cool for that and people who are in now and really knew what's coming up mm-hmm. problem was not that many people knew <laughs> <laughs> that's right eh? <laughs> somebody else profited off your work <laughs> i mean i never forget when a roadie comes up it's like oh it's okay i'm just gonna charge a promoter it's like i'm the promoter <laughs> that's it eh? well you only noticed seven hundred dollars like i just gave you two thousand it's like well Shit. that's what it is you know i mean it's 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 a fascinating lifestyle. I loved it. You know, mm-hmm. it was good. It was hard work, but it was good. It was good for me and my soul. What, what bands know? do you remember that went through that, like, became bigger after? Do, do any jump to mind? You know, like when you had them K-Man in there. K-Man and 45. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, well, the Planet Smashers, they did really well. Yeah. Until they kicked me off their label <laughs> that I created with them. Uh, you know, not being negative or nothing. No, but no. They were doing pretty good until they did that. Mm-hmm. Kingpins did really well until they stopped coming because someone charged them do- a dollar for ice. This is a true story. <laughs> really? About it. Yeah, it's a true story. So somebody pocketed a dollar along the way there. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Let's see. Um... There's a lot more. Oh, uh, what's her name? Uh, oh, Jesus, Cat Power. Oh, right, right. She right, came right. by and played the show. She was lovely, mm-hmm. a lovely person, and uh, they just blew it out of the water. Really, yeah. you know. Uh, Gob came by a few times and they played there. They almost, I think, they lived there for a little while. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. Speed what's dealer. that old, old joke? How, how do you know if you had a punk come over to visit? Mm. He's still there. Hey. <laughs> Sounds like for drummers and guitar players and right. singers and everything else. You know? Yeah, like, backup singers. You know? I saw so many epic shows there, though, with Dave Cooper or Alex behind the board, and everybody mm. just hanging out and having a good old time. I remember the Slackers uh, played. Slackers an incredible played. Yeah, show there. yeah, they played. A, the I love the Slackers. Played there. 
I think no, Toaster's never played there, no. Uh, <laughs> you know, I got a whole book of posters at home that's ready to go soon. Yeah, I heard a rumor about this. Was this was on my list of you know questions with to Dom. talk about? Well, absolutely, man. <laughs> I mean, you were yeah. When I asked Dom to be on on the show, he's like, "Well, what are we going to talk about?" I'm like, "Dude, it's more like what aren't we going to talk yeah, about?" No, right? You got yeah. so much going on all the mm. time, and this is one of the things that I think you know people know right away when they think of you. You're a man of adventure, starting projects, going all over, which I will get into, you know, but right now, looking in hindsight on all these venues and, or, you know, at the Jailhouse Legacy, really, I guess is what we're talking about here. But I mean, uh, you're talking about making a book because yeah. there are all these crazy events that happen there. Mm -hmm. I spent about 15 years collecting every poster I can find. I found them all, I think. I, I'm not finding any more. Mm -hmm. And the book's been in an eight and a half by fourteen format, and I made it myself. And uh, I'm just waiting to finish it mm -hmm. with words. And a very good friend of mine, Jackie, said, "Dom, it's not about you. It's about the posters and the shows there." I was like, "That's a good idea." That's a good angle. So I'm keeping it simple because there's so much you can talk about. Like we're talking, I can talk about CDs and cassettes and all kinds of shit, but. Mm -hmm. These posters are remnants of, like, you know, basically, like we said at the beginning of our conversation, you know, 364 days in a year. I booked well over that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It shows, and you multiply that by three or four bands a night. <laughs> so you need to sit back and think about, in the four years I was there, how many bands I really worked with. Yeah. Well, no wonder everybody knows you, because everybody was yeah. in a band at one point, you know, and everybody played there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I, it's uh, it was cool. I mean, uh, and the book will come out. I I swear it's going to come out. Uh, I'm looking for a printer. It's inexpensive mm -hmm. because right now it's not very expensive, not very cheap to do. No, absolutely no. You so got to get your firm together. I'm right. trying to get this together. If anybody has an idea, contact Kman. Let yeah. me know. That's at kmandon'tknowshit.com. <laughs> which isn't up yet so don't even bother going to look it i mean you know we don't have it all together yet i mean his this lamp post is your microphone stand <laughs> nice you know it's post. diy nice. <laughs> nice lamp post i am yeah. but I, i'm really psyched to see this book i really am are you gonna have like uh friends and staff and people that hung out in it or Every, yeah, it well, shows i got a lot of pictures already in a book uh a fair amount of pictures of staff members and stuff mm-hmm I didn't ask anybody's permission, by the way. So if you're going to sue me, sue me. I don't care. <laughs> Bleed that rock. Bleed that rock. Because it's already empty. I'm yeah, sorry man. to tell you. you know, we had one guy try to sue me, and he became a famous uh, famous comic guy. And uh, Comedians are so serious. No, I'm talking about drawing comments. <laughs> right. And, uh, that's, that's, right now, there's a problem with that before yeah. it's even open. So there you go. No, I got you. Well, I mean. But um, the book is going to happen. I swear it's going to happen. Yeah. You know. Well, they always say, you know, to make project uh, happen, first thing you got to do is say you want to do it. Oh, right? I want to do it. Step one. Yeah, yeah, I want to do it. I just want to finish it and move on with my life. Mm -hmm. I just had flashbacks yeah. of all the shows, just uh, like sitting down with you. Do you remember any shows? I remember a couple of events. Mm. I remember a band called the Subum Lots who had a backpack with beer in it, I yes. think, with funnels, and they used to have this song called Drunk on the Autobahn. Yeah. And I remember that because all I remember is you drive faster, 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 faster. That's all I remember about that show. <laughs> but but yeah, there was all I, I remember uh, what, the bloody gashes. Oh, and, I remember the bloody. Oh yeah, gashes. man. I still I, have but, the album from then. Yeah. And you know what? They, they sounded good though. They really did. <laughs> I love it. But yeah. uh, you know, just so There's, so much great stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, there's like, like for me, like we, you know, we try to put on good shows now. Mm-hmm. I try, I try it anyway. I work my ass off. Yeah, I remember when Dave Cooper was babysitting Wesley Willis yeah. at the jailhouse. Mm-hmm. And Wesley Willis, for those who don't know, just Google Wesley Willis. It's worth it. Uh, like absolutely, what a character! But he, you know, he had uh, mental health issues every once in a while, so he always needed a minder. And uh, Dave Cooper, who was on episode one of the podcast, uh, was his minder for that that day. And I just basically remember the whole vibe. Not sure how it's gonna go because he liked to give like headbutts to people, and he had this giant head, man. And it, but then it became, oh, that was his symbol of love. You know, you just get all these little stories all through it. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. There's a lot of small stories I can't remember. <laughs> right. There was a photo of Wesley Willis in the book. Oh, really? With uh, Mike Babbins and the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the Vitons, uh, Reginald Croutons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who didn't want to go to Toronto. Yeah. Right? Wasn't that their big song? Yeah, I didn't want to go to Toronto. Yeah, because everyone's leaving town because <laughs> there's no money in Quebec. Yeah. <laughs> right, that's it. Now they can't afford anything in Toronto either, right? The, they all live the in rent. Vancouver now, so it's okay. They <laughs> can't afford nothing. Mm. Not even a cheeseburger. Well, it's funny, you know, you're talking about different places in Canada, and I know very well, like, like I want to talk also, okay, that, that was a big chapter of your life. It really was, like, what happened with the jailhouse and all that kind of thing, and all the Huge. action. And, and let's say it was just such a, a community thing, you know, and uh, I even feel sometimes in, the, in that day, I, maybe it's still the same, maybe it's not, but like you had the bar staff from a different bar, you know, let's say the Biff Tech or, or Miami or uh, your Saint Laurent, um, you know, everybody what, knew yeah. everybody would hang out at each other's places. And well, know, when I was there, I, I tried to make a community mm-hmm. of everybody. I picked people to come and be with us. And the negatives and the bad things I got rid of. Yeah. You know, and it, I tried to make a family, a community. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, it became that. We had people from everywhere coming in. Yeah. We had people, you know. Do you get it now? Stuff. Like, if, if you walk down Saint Laurent Street now, are you still walking down and saying, "Hey, hey, hey, how are you doing? What's up?" You know. <laughs> um. Almost everywhere I go in Montreal, I'm, I'm pretty well well known by yeah. somebody somewhere. Yeah, and uh, for and yeah. for the right reasons, yeah. you know. I mean, it, it take, like I think any community, basically, and not just in music, but I mean, any, when I say community, I don't just mean location, but like in what you do in the community. Mm-hmm. But I think it always takes key people, you know. I mean, to, to make shit happen, basically, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, w- I used to make shit happen quite often. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was, uh, it was huge. It was amazing. It was. It was and you also had probably. The most famous dog in Montreal yes. at that point. I'd like to say cheers to Rudy Rudolph, the Wonder Dog. Yeah, yeah I miss that dog very much. Oh, I'm yeah. sure everybody loved that dog. He just, you know, I bring a bottle cap to everybody, right? Yeah. He just played <laughs> bottle caps all night long, and I love that dog so much. Yeah, he uh, he was he was my only real salvation, I think, at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, except for all the ex-girlfriends I have too. That's another story altogether. I hear, yeah, I hear, yeah. But yeah, he was a good dog. He was a good dog. After the jailhouse like uh, closed down, mm-hmm. and you, you kind of, you know, have to redefine yourself or refine yourself. You know, I guess at that point, I started seeing all these pictures of you like all over, like not just Montreal now at this point. Like we're talking in Europe, in the states, moving around. Yeah. How do you get involved with all these productions? I mean, if I'm not mistaken, and correct me where I'm wrong. Okay, I see. I didn't say when I'm wrong, but where I'm wrong. <laughs> 
you did burlesque tours. Mm-hmm. I created my own stage management company. Okay. I um, I'm I'm very good at what I do. Mm-hmm. I made bands that no one knew, somewhat famous. Mm-hmm. I had all the marketing skills I can do to make things work for myself. I um, after a long depression, after losing Rudolph, losing mm-hmm. the Jailhouse Rock, and everything else I had going for myself, it took me a while to get out of it. I started doing burlesque shows in Montreal called Diary of a Lost Circus. It was a very good decision for me. Yeah. Because I was starting to create shows again. And they were working. They were selling out. Phenomenally selling out. It was great. I was partnered with a lady, and uh, Jen, I think her name was. Okay. At the time. She is... I don't know what she is. <laughs> but uh, we just made a bunch of shows, and it worked. And then... While I was doing these shows, I was learning how to be a technician, how to plug in microphones and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing some really shit jobs. I was also postering for Greenland. <laughs> Back when you're, we put posters everywhere. everywhere. We put posters <laughs> and walls everywhere. And I was that man with a can of, can of uh, muck putting up the. You know, I made a fortune post postering. Really? Yeah. yeah. I was doing doing it so often. Uh, the police were even stopping me and saying, Dom, you got to stop. Like, okay. <laughs> well, it's funny to talk about the legalities of postering. That was a war for a while. There mm. was so much, you know, bands covering band, you know, other people's posters, or then the cool people in the know that would actually check the dates of the posters to cover an old one. Okay, that would pass. But I learned one valuable lesson during that whole period of time, because we used to poster like maniacs would go out at like... 10 at night till 4 or 5 in the morning, put up 700 posters in one go and stuff like this. But uh, never put a poster over a political sign. <laughs> they don't like that. And they will take you to court, those they bastards. Court. <laughs> they don't believe in rock and roll. If any political parties out there don't believe in rock and roll, don't vote for them. And that's all of them. They don't care about you. They really don't. God damn. Um, there goes all my dreams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please care about me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, Publicity of Sauvage was doing a lot of posters, and uh, they were they were covering up all our stuff. So one day I went to their office and I had a meeting and a couple of beers with the boss. And after the meeting, we made a deal, and they were putting up my posters. That's the way to do it, and you got a cut from that. I didn't pay him a cent. <laughs> no, but did they pay you a but cent? But I paid the people who were doing it. There you go. That's yeah. perfect, man. Everybody's winning. It was awesome. <laughs> So you got into burlesque. How how does somebody get into burlesque? Of course, a good way to do it is, like you said, is by start the start your own shows and stuff. But like, what got you interested in burlesque? Well, burlesque is a very sensitive and very very meticulous position to be in. And uh, even though they're naked on stage, mm-hmm. they're very sensitive backstage. Yeah, and you have to have a good well being of who they are backstage mm-hmm. and respect respect of who they are. Would you say that Montreal is known for a burlesque no, scene? No, Montreal is probably one of the worst cities in the whole country for burlesque. I think Toronto's doing better. Really? Huh? I think uh, Vancouver does way better. They have larger productions, a lot more regular. Mm-hmm. Montreal has that same old, uh, same old uh, dark shadow amongst itself. It's like if somebody goes forward, everyone else just cuts them at the knee type thing. Right, right. Sorry to say. Uh, well, we I guess the message out there is that people, you know, got to make something happen, right? Yeah, I mean, you can make something happen, but I mean, you know, you're talking to a guy who's been around the block a couple of times and seeing things come and go. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we have a beautiful festival called the Montreal Burlesque Festival. 
It's phenomenal, and I, I'm looking forward to it in two weeks, actually. Are, are you involved in it? I'm their stage manager, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's a great festival, but there's nobody local performing on it, which is too bad. That is too bad. But, but aren't, don't we have, like, fa like I, I know coming up on the podcast, I'm having that Jackie Sugar uh, Vixen. Do you know Jackie? Yeah, I know Sugar Vixen. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, she's awesome. I love that girl. Yeah. And she's going to be, I can't wait to get her on the podcast as well. And we're going to talk That's all good. burlesque, you know. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm surprised. In my head, I thought it was... I thought it was big in Montreal, honestly. Like, well, the Wiggle Room does a regular show, mm -hmm. and uh, there's maybe like 25 performers. Wow! But it's it's not as strong as I want it to be. Okay. There's a way too much fighting and bickering amongst themselves. Right, right. So everybody's just getting bitchy. Eh? <laughs> he didn't say it; I did. <laughs> I mean, I, how can I say that's my tassel? No, that's my tassel. <laughs> right, no, that's right. my tassel. <laughs> And got tassels for everybody. <laughs> tassel fighting everywhere. I mean, so if I go know, to a show, I should just show up with a bucket full of tassels. I know. And just launch them into the crowd. Exactly. You'd be all right. You know? <laughs> yeah, man. But were you like involved just like in the organization of the burlesque shows and, and and like the production of it, or did you were you like performing as well? Oh my god! I used to perform at Diary Law Circus. Really? Uh, I used to strip at Diary Law Circus. It was great. Great. I just learned something new. Yeah, look at that. Goddamn. Oh, there's a picture on my Facebook somewhere if you look at it. <laughs> Hard enough. I, sh I should have went through yeah, the yeah. your whole thing before you got no, here. Right? It was, it was, it was, it was Lost Circles is total fun. We were creating stuff. Mm -hmm. We used to have Elsa Bangs and Seska Lee doing stuff. What about Bombay? Bonbon wasn't even existing at that time. Oh, no, eh? No, man. Oh, this is going back. No, this is going back before anybody was performing. Shout out to Bonbon. Yeah, what's up, Bon Bon? Yeah. Uh, this is going on. This is going back before Bon Bon, before uh, anybody. I mean, we've done it. Like, these names do not exist anymore, except Mia Lafleur from Toronto still mm -hmm. exists. You know, and uh, it was. We I think it was a. I don't know what the year it was. I can't remember. It was in the thousands, but it was great. Fuck! I had a fucking marching band. <laughs> I had a fucking marching band in my show, man. You win. at the cafe campus, <laughs> really? And a bloodshot bill was playing to Sugarpuss. Remember Sugarpuss? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Sugarpuss was one of the greatest artists in performance of, of burlesque in the entire world. And you know, she just got tired of all the bullshit in Montreal as well, and she left. Oh, yeah, she jetted. She was a performer. She was a rock and roll queen. She's amazing. Wow. Oh, she was great. Sugarpuss and Seska Lee, those people knew what's going on. There's something about burlesque and rock and roll that just goes so well together. You know, I don't know how it happened that way, but burlesque, in my opinion, anyway, it's, it's very rock and roll. Well, if you dance to it, and you shimmy to it, and you shake to it, and you can do that beautiful four count really well. Everyone's gonna dance, right? You know, right. Whether you're clothed or not, you're gonna yeah. move. I remember on on our last tour, I was in Winnipeg, and uh, we're hanging out, having beers with our Winnipeg friends. And one of our friends is a lady named uh, Lucy, and Lucy said, "Next time you're in town, uh, she wants to gather all the ladies and do." A show, but including burlesque as well. Mm -hmm. And I mean, basically, I'm I'm for anything that sounds like a good time, and it does sound like a good time, you know. <laughs> but, but if you want, I mean, anyone can dance to burlesque. Mm -hmm. There's no set rules. The, the thing about burlesque is it's creative indifference. You creative, you create your own show. Right. However, just t today, there's people making rules, rules that don't exist. But it's all about being self creativity. Back in the day, historically speaking, burlesque was people going on stage trying to entertain to make a buck. Mm -hmm. It was a serious business. Before TV, before iPhones and all that kind of crap. Right, right. And today, it's entertainment. I mean, anybody, you can hula hoop, you can skip rope, you can 
I used one of my axes taken off my robe with a flashlight. <laughs> it was not hard. You just dance to the groove, maybe, yeah. and you make it work. And anybody, you yourself can even be a dancer if you want, K-Man. I'm probably a little too hairy to be burlesque, you know? <laughs> so you gotta, you got to free yourself from all those restrictions and be a real person underneath that mm -hmm. jacket you wear. Because I did it. I used to do a uniform act years ago. I was terrified. I love the way you dove deep on this because now you're talking like the psychology and what it can actually do for the performer. It's right? good for the soul, man, when you perform. You know that because mm -hmm. you're a performer. Absolutely. You know, and every time you go up there, all you can see is how am I going to feel when I'm done? Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm up there, I was scared shitless. And I did my little act, moved my little ass a few times, and it was great fun. People loved it. You know, they clapped their hands and. When I was playing with Bloodshot Bill, when I was yeah. a drummer for Bloodshot Bill. That's right. Bill. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're um, the hubcap. <laughs> love it. You get so mad at me. <laughs> Bill, I know you're listening. I'm yeah, sorry. Man. I didn't tell you the truth. I did not know how to play drums when we did our first show together. And we learned. I learned how to play drums during the show. That's fantastic. And we made three records together, and I don't care what you all think. It was fucking awesome. It was rock and roll, man. It was rock and roll, and that's what you're doing up there, yep. man. You can... Sorry. So, Bill, he apologized formally, you know, right in. <laughs> Miss you too, brother. Gotta get you. I should have you with him up here. Mm. <laughs> that would be fucking awesome. <laughs> He's a good, good old friend of mine, man. Yeah, I love him. I love, I love him dearly. that guy. He's a solid, solid... All three years, he's been solid. I remember before one of his shows, I got to admit, you know how you're talking about the band's going to cross the street drinking before uh, coming to the jailhouse? Okay, I, I got an apology to do. We emptied a case of beer so fast in the park right across the street there before getting there, too. <laughs> I fucking know. Oh, boom. <laughs> I walk out, I go, oh, there they are. Well, you could walk into the jailhouse to sober. To the empty venue. <laughs> Yeah, I'd get your oh, wits I about you back in know, the day. <laughs> That's it. Eh? I see all you fuckers in your vans. <laughs> Where's the band? Out back. <laughs> right. Cancel the show. All right. <laughs> um, so with burlesque, though, you, you got into traveling as well, right? Mm. Didn't you guys move around with I, the production? Um, I got a job working a cruise ship for two years. How the hell did you get plugged into a cruise ship? I am good at what I do. <laughs> yeah, man. I got. It was cold. It was January. January fifteenth was the day. I was supposed to work the Rolling Stone show, and uh, I got two tickets from my boss to tell my mom, hey mom, guess what? I'm leaving for nine months at the Rolling Stone show. And uh, I jumped on a cruise ship for actually two years solid. That's wild, man. I don't know if I could do that. Best decision in my life. One of the many decisions. Yeah. That was one of them. But see, that's, this is one of the things I, I, I love about you, is that you seem to have all these different chapters and adventures and goals that you want to go mm -hmm. after. And you just go all in on it, mm -hmm. you know, and I, it inspires me. It really does. And you've always I inspired hope it me does. in that sense. I hope you know? it does because life is way too short. Yeah, you man. Know, you got to keep plugging away. Mm -hmm. I will. I'm, I'm going to do this until I die. I die. You know? What did you think about working on a ship? Like, what did you do? Tell me about this. Uh, I, I need to know. I was, <laughs> I, was a, I was a stage tech. I was an acrobat rigger. So that means before I left the ship, I was in control of all the riggers are flying in the air, all the acrobats flying in the air. When you say rigger, it's not, pro like, I know what it is, but I'm not mm. sure if everybody is. What's a rigger? Uh, okay, well, this is an automation where you're in charge of the uh, artists who fly in the air, and they go up and down, left and right. I had the control of that. I had about maybe, so you see six artists fly in one direction, I'm the one in charge of those guys flying on the motor control. When you have a train set, you have the guy running the train set, 
that's me, but with humans. You, I bet you those people wanted a really good relationship with you. <laughs> like, there has to be some trust involved in here. This. <laughs> Let me tell you. It was an adventure, I tell you. Oh, I'm sure. That was good. It was a good adventure. So, if you're like, what, you do nine months at a time? Yeah. As shot. So, basically, you're tra you can travel a lot in nine months. Where did, where did this go? Where did this take you? We were in Miami, the Caribbean. I was in the Caribbean every weekend for like about two months. Then we <laughs> flew over, we flew, we, we floated, sailed across the sea. Uh, I sailed the seas three times, from uh, Miami to uh, Cold Ireland, and uh, a town in England, which I forgot the name of, for some reason. Hmm. Uh, it was in England where they had the first Spitfires factories made back in the day. And you being, which we will get to, it's on my list, things I want to check in. We're going to get into aviation in a bit as well. Yeah, because I, I, I love the fact that Dom does not remember the name of the town, but he can tell you the Spitfires are coming yeah. from there. Yeah. The Spitfires came from that town. Because, you know, they, they, uh, and the, we have books, history books I used to read in, in libraries. And uh, there's a church that was there, a spire was there. And uh, the Germans used to use that church as a as a bombing point. So oh, there's a church. Yeah. And I was like, this is insane. And there I am walking walking right next to the church, walking right next to the airplanes. It's great. Love life. It's That's beautiful. wild, man. That's wild. Yeah. So so it was going everywhere on on a boat. Did you have time to actually Italy, stop in Italy, Spain, really? France? I've always wanted to go to Italy. I never did. Not yet, anyway. I will. You gotta get on that boat, man. Yeah, man. I was in Naples and Rome and, and all those other places. It was great. It was. It was. I was like, every day I woke up. Where am I now? I don't know. I'm gonna go. Gone. See, I know one thing about you. It's that you are into history. Yeah. And, and uh, you know the amazing places around the world and the story behind them and all of this kind of thing. Did Did you like chase out locations? Like, oh, did yeah. you have time to? Yeah. Yeah. There's one place when I was in the circus. Uh, he was in a circus I, I as well. On, yeah, I hope you guys got time. I can talk <laughs> yeah, about man. shit all the time. I mean, it's like, um, I, I was in a circus in Hong Kong. There was a battle of the Canadian soldiers with the Second World War did, where the English government, as usual, met, you know, left the Canadian soldiers to fodder. And uh, they left them to Hong Kong, which they had broken weapons and stuff. But there was a bunker that the Canadians fought the, the, uh, the Japanese against. And they kept that, they kept fighting, and they're the last, 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 last English or Canadian stand in Hong Kong before it was surrendered. And the bunker's there to this day. I went to the bunkers on top of a hill, I behind a gas station, mind you. And the only thing that lets you know where you're really at is like a little plaque. This is the Battle of the Canadians fought. And literally, you can see where, picture it, how the, the Japanese came across the road, and mm -hmm. they're in a bunker, and you know. You know, this, this is a... This I must is, have some heavy vibes around there, man. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, it's, it did. It did. I, I was able to go to uh, Vimy Ridge. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, I did a really uh, shitty tour with uh, the circus called Seven Fingers or something mm -hmm. uh, two years ago. And uh, I, was, I, was, I was fortunate to understand the history around me. At Douai, France, for example, uh, do you know what the Red Baron is? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, the Red Baron used to fly out of Douai. And that was my first stop for the circus. So... I go and hang out in Douai, and then I go to a book book books bookstore. No, a book a sale. Bookstore. Yeah, okay. And then I hear someone going, Monsieur Mayor, Monsieur Mayor, and I see this dude. I go, so I look at him. I go, I bet he knows. <laughs> Are you the mayor of Douai? He goes, Yes, I am. I'm Dominic. I'm <laughs> I, that's why I love you. <laughs> I love you, man. 
Is it true? Is it true the Red Baron used to fly here? Well, I'm not sure, dear Dominic, but let me show you something. It takes me to a chamber of these where these dudes hang out, the uh, mm -hmm. politicians. And uh, there's a fucking picture of the Red Baron in the uh, in the office, in the chamber. Well, and it comes on German shoulders. That's and amazing. So I found out that the airport that Red Baron lived in is now a truck stop, a truck <laughs> thing. But that's okay. It doesn't yeah. matter. I was there. Okay. Yeah. Since you like airplanes so damn much, doesn't the Red Baron's air like this is where I'm gonna see if I have any memory at all. Mm. The Red Baron's airplane, three wings, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And what do you call that? Try. I think it's a sock width. I think. Okay. It, the thing about the three wing airplane is that it can. It's the only airplane can turn on a dime. Okay. The uh, the other ones that I, I don't remember what they're called now for some reason Avros I think they're called. Mm -hmm. They would have to glide to the left, but the Red Baron's little soft with camels would turn. Right. Now, if right. you want to know how that turned out, you go down <laughs> to uh, Rhinebeck Aerodrome in New York State, and they have an airplane flying like that. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you ever? get into something like that no no i didn't get to fly one but i i, I kissed it <laughs> i love you right on you right know, on. Big, big big airplane geek man it's just it's awesome stuff out of all the places that you got to stop on on these boat cruises was like okay you're talking about the caribbean i love the caribbean like I absolutely did you you must have hit some pretty cool locations down there in uh, like in Jamaica and shit. Oh, you went to Jamaica? Yeah, I was in Jamaica for uh, Falmouth, Jamaica. Mm -hmm. I have you know, historically speaking, it's now a cruise ship place. But Falmouth, Jamaica, is where the stop was. The slaves were dropped off back really? in the day. And if if I went there before they started deconstructing everything, mm -hmm. the slave huts were still there. You can smell the stank of death that was in those rooms. It's awful. Because you know, me being an explorer, I look at shit. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, it's it's. Yeah, Falmouth is now, it's all bought by Cruise Line, and but yeah, that's a pretty sketchy place to be in, man. Mm -hmm. I would... They definitely have their problems. I would be careful in Jamaica. Yeah, no, they, they got their problems, um, like a lot of places in the in the world, but I mean, uh, you know, what, you know, you're talking about Jamaica and history and all this, I, I always like that in a lot of reggae songs, uh, mm -hmm. they would talk about, you know, know your history, to be able to move forward. Oh, yeah. Which I, I, I think is something that you do. I mean, you know, you know the history about where you're going, what happened there, what why it's different, or what the background is, you know, at the place you're visiting. And, and I admire that. Like, it, it always baffles me, people that just kind of blindly wander around without knowing, you know, what went on on the soil you're walking on. That, that blows my mind away, because I'm telling people stories, and I'm going, yes, yeah, so what? Right. And all they care about is what kind of beer they're going to get. It's fucked, it's fucked up, man. But can't they care about the beer they're going to get for like three seconds and then care about this as well? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was I was fortunate when I was on ships or like I was in the circuses, for example. I was the only people, person that knew what's going on around me. Like when I was mm -hmm. in Korea, like I, there's so much history to read about Korea. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, that's a whole chapter. Yeah. In itself. I, I wish I, mean, I knew more about it, to tell you the truth. Like, I, like I'm not really up to date on my what's going on in Korea. I know they had the Korean War. Mm. I, I know that. I know there's North and South. But honestly, you know, a lot of people talk like they know a lot. I don't know shit about it. Like, really. I, I really don't. You know, and it kind of baffles me. Like, how, like, I surprise myself in my own ignorance sometimes. How I can, you know, look at a Facebook feed, you know, oh, Kim Jong-un is this, okay, you know, read the head, you know, people that read headlines all the time now with that, without actually knowing the story. Well, they make an assumption without knowing the real story mm -hmm. and that's because 
when I got to Korea, the actual only battle or fight they had was maybe 40 years ago when four guys tried to cross in and shoot the president. That was 40 years ago. Well, that'll get you shot usually, no matter where you are. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, fair enough. Uh, 60 years ago during the Second World War, they did come over and take over mm -hmm. Korea. Well, I'm not saying there's not uh, reasons to want to do something like I, that. I get it. You know, I get, somewhere. Uh, but it, it's still it. a good way to get shot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a good way to get shot, for sure. You know, I mean, it's, I mean, you have to go to the cities and check it out, see the vibe is. Yeah. Mean, like, I went there, like, I'm going to Korea. Like, all my guys in the circus, they just drank their faces off, most mm -hmm. of them. And I just kept on exploring. Amazing. You know, I just I got a bus pass and I went around in the circle. I literally ran around in the circle. Like, where do I go now? I don't know. What a great way to see the world, though. I mean, like mm. you know, a lot of people can't afford traveling, like as a rich person type uh, travel. But I mean, there's certain jobs. I was talking to my daughter about this. You know, like what are you gonna, you know, the typical, what are you gonna do when you're older and all this kind of thing. And I asked her if she ever considered or thought about being a flight attendant. Mm -hmm. Because I, you know, maybe she would want to see the world, but might not have enough money to be able to do it as a vacation. But there are certain jobs that allow you to see all kinds of parts of the world. Well, she can also be a pilot because there's a lot of good programs now in Montreal that provide good flight schools for young people. Oh, really? Huh? Yeah, Laurentide Aviation has a school. I know these things, eh? <laughs> yeah, has man. a school <laughs> that will, will give the kids, young people of legal age, the right to fly at uh, 737. Uh, they go to school, they get sponsored by Air Canada, and they fly. And it costs you, but I don't know how much it'll cost. But what what got you into flying? Uh, freedom. Yeah. Freedom. I mean, son of a bitch, man. You're gonna work in a. I worked in a factory when I first started my independence, mm -hmm. and that's like a prison. Yeah. You know, and oh, that's all I have left. And then flying. Well, like when I was a kid, I saw airplanes. You know, that feels pretty good. And I kept on seeing more airplanes. That still feels pretty good. And I got in one. That feels pretty good. Then I started flying one. That feels pretty terrifying. <laughs> then I flew it again. And that's really good. You know, it's like, I don't, it's like a high. You, you have a pilot's license? Yeah. Okay. I have, I have a pilot's license that now out of date, officially. <laughs> But no, I, we won't tell anybody. Well, you know, I'll tell the <laughs> truth. You know, I, I've invested 15 grand on my own money, mm -hmm. and I, I worked at shows for Evenco to pay it off. And uh, uh, it was a, another good thing I did for myself. Mm -hmm. I did 120 hours flying. Oh, wow. Always the same airplane? or a Cessna 172. Okay. Yeah, it's a three-passenger. Oh, wow. And when I got my license, I used to bring up people all over the place. <laughs> that's amazing it was amazing what, was it your plane though or is it no. like how does it work you, you you get involved with a an airplane club and somebody says you can rent this plane yeah how does this you, work? Can, you can share the, the, the airplane mm -hmm. or you, I just rented it out at the time I didn't get into flying that much after that because I went on tour yeah, yeah. And, uh, but you can share yeah, one guy was considering me taking over for his banner projects I mean you, you find your way around being one of those guys that flies like a banner around yeah, the city survey yeah, yeah. seas? Yeah, he was my old flight instructor, actually. Oh, shit. <laughs> he offered me the job once, and I was like, I need another 75 hours. 75 hours translates 250 bucks an hour. Oh, man. Yeah. And 75, figure that out. So flying ain't for the, the poor. <laughs> it may not have been then, but mm -hmm. times have changed. People yeah. need to get places faster than ever, and uh, businesses are realizing they need pilots. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're young, now's a good time to be a pilot, if you really want to be, because it's, it's there and available. Yeah. You know, when we were young, it wasn't. You know?
You know, it's funny when I was talking with a friend of mine, like I, I'm afraid of heights and, you know, I, I say I'm afraid, but I do all this crazy shit anyway, but helicopters, mm-hmm. ever been in a helicopter? I was in a, uh, when I was in reserves, I was in a army helicopter. Okay. Yeah. And I was sitting on the side with my machine gun. Helicopters make no day. sense to me no. at all. I, I've never been in one. I don't really want to be in one. An airplane I can understand. I, I can't understand the helicopter. It just doesn't work for me, this old... I'm going to be surprised. I never really looked much into a helicopter. No? Really? <laughs> I go to go up, to go down. That's cool. If you yeah. know, I'm all right. <laughs> and when it goes down, you want to go down slowly, and, and that's, that's it. Right? That's it. Because <laughs> I know an airplane, my engine dies, I just glide. Uh-huh. When a helicopter dies, it dies. You know? <laughs> so mm-hmm. you've done tours as a drummer as a performer, as a production company in burlesque, mm-hmm. have you, like, are you, do you miss it? Do you miss going on tour? Or do you have another tour on it, like, in the back burner here? Well, the Ballet Jazz Canada, or Montreal, sorry, the Ballet Jazz Montreal hired me on as their head carpenter. And I just finished being the carpenter for uh, Corey Hart. What? Uh, yeah, I did it uh, three weeks ago. Like you're Corey talking, Hart. I wear my sunglasses that night, Corey Yeah, Hart. I was like, what a Canadian ago. musician! That picture that's on Facebook, that uh-huh. you, that's me. That's me waiting for the show to finish. That's Corey Hart show. That's crazy. The blue thing there, yeah. Okay, I, I have to confess. Mm. You don't know the Corey Hart? Looks no, like? I do. I was 14 years old, in Ottawa at the Civic Center, going. I wear my sunglasses at night. <laughs> oh yeah, I was at that show, but I mean. In that period of time, I, 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 my, my dad worked as an electrician at all the shows at the Civic Center. So I got to see all these 80, I, Duran Duran, A Flock of Seagulls, you know, all that, like, era. I saw them all, man. It's pretty badass, man. <laughs> it is. Looking pretty back, cool. more, more now looking back than when I was actually living it, though, it's kind of weird. Like, the Thompson Twins. <laughs> oh, me, no. Oh, that was it. I was going to say, I, and I ran. I can't remember who did that one. I think it was, uh, was it Duran Duran? And I ran. No, it wasn't Duran Duran. So far away. But I, but I saw them, whoever that was. <laughs> Anybody know who did that song? I ran. <laughs> but Martha and the Muffins, Katrina, and the, that whole era. I saw, saw all, those, all those shows, man. Dude, that's yeah. Yeah. But it was, actually, it gave... Along the way, I mean, I grew up with a lot of musicians, so I had that direct influence. But going to all those shows and just seeing everybody's reactions to all those shows, I think, is also one of my inspirations that I kind of forget about sometimes. But, I mean, I was always in these crowds, and, you know, you go to these... People save up all the money they have to be able to go to these shows, you know? And uh, so they go all in, and the reaction of, like, just enjoy... Every ounce of their body is enjoying this moment in this show. And I'm sure, like, you know, just riding that wave of energy along the way mm-hmm. is probably one of the things that made me want to do this as well and be able to you know have people keep riding these types of energies and yeah. it's just so powerful and i love it so much and i will for the rest of my life <laughs> you know I, and like it, it, it's just a, it lights that that fire but I, I was super lucky with that but i mean Corey hart what he literally is one of the you know top tier canadian performers historically oh, yeah, that's a pretty big yeah. production <laughs> yeah i was pretty i was pretty honored to be part of that show i was pretty good i met some good people in that tour too it was, it was good fun yeah they gave me a bottle of wine at the end of the night and i would sit there and drink it in the tour bus every night every night perfect awesome <laughs> me and Hervé, a good buddy of mine yeah and right, Corey, Corey's cool 
You only call me buddy for the first two weeks, and uh, the last week you call me dumb. <laughs> you, know, okay. like, you know how like everybody's like you know hey pal buddy uh chum chum i never like being called buddy i don't know why i hate being called yeah buddy. Uh, it's just it does it. not sit with me because I, I always found it's one of those ones that's a bit like yeah buddy you know what i mean like yeah, it, it's yeah. not really straight on the level when you say buddy it's like you you're know? trying to pretend that uh, or bro <laughs> don't call me bro <laughs> right right what, what was that old South Park guy ain't your friend guy ain't your guy buddy yeah, exactly. <laughs> i would love that bit <laughs> man but i mean like you know relationships I don't here, want to talk about relationships whatsoever. I'm not talking love relationships. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> you know? It, it always comes with this move in the crunchy, you know? But the relationships to people, that's like when I think of you, you're somebody that has all these lines of communication with so many different types of people in different cities, you know, whether it's, you know, through booking, whether it's through shows, whether it's through touring everywhere being on a boat and stopping in all these places i'm sure if you show up in a small town for three days and then leave they're missing you and the town's the talking about you. That's right. <laughs> man you used to be the mayor of like you know maybe a street corner <laughs> that's good enough yeah but hey, you don't want any more than that you just have more shit to deal with yeah. anyway right <laughs> no i mean i would love to have another community like the jailhouse rock i would uh -huh. honestly love to rebuild that but with my own my own words my own hands mm -hmm. and i've been looking for years where to start where to rebuild and anything any ideas spark up no nope nothing <laughs> i would love to rebuild it redo it like i, I don't want to say rebuild because i want to build it on my own mm -hmm. i'd love to have that little coffee shop or that little venue you know the old people like you and i will meet <laughs> you know, well we, we all getting up there man oh i know yeah time's running out i'll tell you that much but uh i would like to see that happen and maybe make it so people can benefit for the rest of our lives mm -hmm. and, and and keep on playing music and you know, when you first came up to the jailhouse rock and with your eyes all like, what do I do? And who's this fucking asshole? <laughs> right. Know, like, I don't know. You know, I had the same thing when I first went there. But mm -hmm. And then seeing you flourish, you know, uh, as K-Man in the 45s and you're touring and you got your van and things are happening for you. It makes my purpose in life worth it. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you said that coffee shop. I could so see you retiring into running a coffee shop. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you're a community guy. Yeah, you really are. And any community would be lucky to have you, uh, you know, running a central point. I would like Absolutely. to retire in a community. I'm good to go tomorrow. Yeah. Trust me, I'm like... City or country? Uh, either one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> open to it all, right? Yeah, I'm open to it all because I know time is running out for me. Yeah, I am. And it's, as much as I want to keep it going, I know it's mm -hmm. time to change. You know, men's health. I think at some point, I, I'm going to have a doctor on the podcast, mm -hmm. and I, I, I want all, all my buds to like write in all the questions that they don't ask doctors, you know, especially as you're aging uh, type thing. I'm actually really looking forward to uh, that podcast as well. It's uh, Dr. Uh, Eddie Sankini is going to be on the show, and uh, oh, yeah, I'm, alre I'm already list every moment I hear, hear or think of them listing down questions, <laughs> questions <laughs> for the doctor, you know, but uh, because like me men's health, uh, I, I don't know if there's enough talk about it to tell the truth it seems to me like it's always like crisis happens and then you kind of deal with it you know as a uh, as opposed to like you know knowing oh this might happen or you know i'm getting older uh, what do i do to not 
have the crisis, you know. You brush your teeth. <laughs> Proper dental hygiene. That's the one of the most important things I can tell anybody from my old age. Brush your fucking teeth. Hear that, kids? You brush your teeth. You lazy bastards, brush your teeth. Because when they fall off, they don't come back. Yeah, man. Hey, Dom. Yo. Thanks so much for coming by today. It's a real pleasure. It's been a pleasure, man. Always, always, my brother. So, what's next for you? What's next for Dom <laughs> Castelli? Talk to me, brother. I'm thinking about motorcycles quite a bit these days. Yeah, what you rode out like yeah. right now? We're August. Uh, sorry, <laughs> October seventh. It's cold as shit. It just finished raining, and here you are. You pull up in your motorcycle. It's beautiful, man. It's nice. <laughs> it's nice. I like to start riding a lot more countryside, outdoor mm -hmm. countryside. Um, I didn't do much this year because I was managing too many shows. But maybe next year I'll start. I'm thinking about Scotland. Actually, I'm thinking about anywhere on a motorcycle. Yeah. So I'm trying to calculate the money I have and calculate the money I can afford to spend on it. Yeah. But what a yeah. great way to see the uh, the sights, though, right? Yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's for me. It clears my head. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I I stop thinking about stupid things. Yeah. You know, and so I just keep on living happily that way. Music-wise, I play piano quite often, and I've been asked to make a whole set of music. I would love many to that. people. And I've made about four or five songs on my own. Mm -hmm. I think I should learn a few songs. Yeah. I think Cooper wants to help me out with that, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Well, um, that definitely, I mean, challenges, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was playing piano in Newfoundland. That was really nice. It was good to play in the old pub there. Wow. People were singing. Yeah. Making up words. It's hilarious. That's the beauty of that yeah. type of stuff, man. You one instrument, mm. even all by itself, just bringing people together and yeah, sharing yeah. a moment. Well, it comes down to it again there, uh, I came in, like, it's all about community, people, mm -hmm. friends, we're all going to start dying soon, just to let you know. Yeah, man. So, it's time to kind of... Listen, on that note, let's I'm go back. happy note. <laughs> Actually, it's funny I say that, but we're actually being sober, and everybody yeah. in my band, well, almost everybody in, uh, in our band, because, like, we've been on the road so much and get absolutely fucking wacky, right? <laughs> you know, and we're like, oh, let's check ourselves for a moment, but, uh, man... It's great to see you, and seriously, I know you have the book project that's mm -hmm. going to happen, so keep your eyes open, the Jailhouse Rock. Is it Cafe, or is it just Jailhouse Rock? Jailhouse Rock Cafe, I think. Yeah, yeah right, that's the, the legal name. Yeah, so you got that book coming out, here you are, planning all these trips. I'm organizing shows, planning trips, if anybody wants to ride a motorcycle with me, you can always contact me. Yeah, man. Um, I know... There's a lot of adventures coming my way next year. I'm going to be traveling with the Bella Jazz Montreal. I mean, I sound tired today because I am. But, uh, <laughs> you know, for me, I'm just going to keep on living, man. Mm -hmm. It's fucking stunning out there and it's beautiful. And I'm going to take every drop I can get. Right on, brother. Yo, You'll man. never change. Love you. Yeah, man. Boom! 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 Boom!